please remain standing and turn in your Bibles, please, to St. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, and we'll read verses 18 to 25. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph being aroused from sleep did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. May God add His richest blessing to the reading of this portion of His Holy Word. Will you pray with me, please? Again, our Father, we pray that You would come and speak to us now through Your Word by the power of Your Holy Spirit. We ask that You would open our ears, that we would hear the voice of our Good Shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ, and hearing His voice, that His sheep would know Him and follow Him and offer our hearts to Him promptly and sincerely in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. The Incarnate Christ, Part 1, Emmanuel. When I was a student in seminary in my early 20s, I was befriended by a student who seemed like an older man at the time. In fact, he was about the age that I am now. He was an insurance man from Sumter who was following a call into ministry as a second career. One of the things in his life that led him down that path towards the ministry was surviving a bout with cancer. I always enjoyed talking with this man. Occasionally, he and I would take our lunch break uh, together. We weren't like best friends or anything, but we always got along. Then my last year in seminary, his cancer came back with a vengeance, and within months he was gone. During those last months of his life, I prayed for him. I put his name on the prayer list at the church where I was an intern and every Wednesday night at prayer meeting I asked for prayer for my friend. And one night after prayer meeting, one of the elders in the church said to me, how do I know that name? I said, I don't know. I don't know where you've heard of him. But in fact, I did know. I didn't realize it at the time. See, I was so used to this man that I had forgotten he was famous. 
He was six foot seven inches tall, for one thing. But you must understand that when you are my height, five foot nine, most men are taller than I am. So, except Daniel Smith, most men are taller than I am. So, I, I don't always notice height. I'm used to looking up. But in the late 1970s, this man had been a McDonald's All-American at Wilson Hall down in Sumter and went on to play basketball at Clemson from 1980 to 84. But in one basketball, it made him famous. In December of 2000, he was on a plane headed to Nairobi, Kenya for a mission trip. In the middle of the night, the sleeping crew on that 747 was jolted awake when the plane suddenly plummeted 20,000 feet. He woke up and heard yelling and a struggle from the cockpit. He immediately rushed the cockpit, pulled the hijacker off the pilot and wrestled him to the floor. He saved the plane and the entire crew, which according to the pilot was within seconds of flipping over and crashing. This man's name, if you remember it, was Clark Bynum. For his heroics, he had been all over the news and was awarded the Order of the Palmetto by Governor Jim Hodges. Clark Bynum was an international hero, and I knew it. And I knew he'd been a basketball player. But see, I had class with him every week. He and I would go get a sandwich frequently. And though I knew of his exploits, to me, he had just become Clark. Extraordinary people can be so familiar to us that we can forget how extraordinary they really are. This is most truly the case when it comes to our Lord Jesus Christ Himself. He can be so familiar to us that we simply do not think about how extraordinary He is. So this Christmas season, I want us to think together about who He really is. We celebrate the reality that God became incarnate. Literally, God became enfleshed. He became fully man, the God-man. And in our text, Matthew tells us that the birth of Jesus fulfilled the word spoken seven centuries before by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, that he would be Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus, the incarnate God, is the most extraordinary man of all. For he is Emmanuel, God with us. 
Now let's get to it. First, in this passage, we see the unique conception of Jesus. The unique conception of Jesus. Look at verse 20. While he thought about these things, that's Joseph, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Jesus, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now in this church, we believe the virgin birth was a literal fact. It really happened. Many churches do not believe that. We do. Not that anyone would remember, but about this time last year, we studied the virgin birth, and we focused on the fact that the virgin birth preserved Jesus' human nature from original sin. Unlike everyone else, Jesus did not inherit the sin of Adam, neither the guilt of his sin nor the corruption of his nature. Because unlike us, Jesus did not descend from Adam by ordinary generation. Jesus' human body and soul was a miraculous, direct creation from God. Thus, He was perfectly sinless. The virgin birth kept Jesus sinless. Unlike us who are natural born sinners. But today, this year, we are going to focus on another aspect of the virgin birth. And it is this. Jesus' human nature did not have an independent existence. Let me put it this way. We all began to exist in our mother's wombs. Now, I promise I'm, I'm not trying to be controversial at Christmas. I just want to give you an illustration to help clarify the issue. You know, the debate over the issue of abortion, it really comes down to the question of when does one become a person and thus entitled to legal protection? Does one become a person at the moment of conception, and if you want to split the hair even finer, you could ask if life begins at fertilization or implantation. Conception, or does one become a person at birth? Or does one become a person somewhere in between? Now, the answer to that question can literally split this country in half. But there is one underlying assumption in that issue upon which everyone would agree, unless they're insane. At some point, we did not exist. At some point in time, we became persons. But Jesus is unique in that he became human, but he never became a person. He always was a person. 
He was a person before he became human. And his human nature was never independent of the eternal divine person of the Son of God. The famous prophecy of Micah 5.2 says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrata, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. The Old Testament said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. He would be born in Bethlehem, yet he was from everlasting. Someone will be born who has already existed from everlasting. An ordinary human conceived in the ordinary way had no existence prior to to that. But in the miracle of Jesus' conception, the Holy Spirit joined the eternal divine person of the Son of God to a fully human nature in an embryo He created from the substance of the Virgin Mary. If He were not born of a virgin... Jesus would have been a human person, and that is all. But Jesus is one person who is both fully God and fully man. He is an eternal person who assumed humanity. He is God with us. When we read of Jesus in the Gospels, He is a real man, but He is God. He is God incarnate, God embodied. He has a human mind, a human will, a human soul, yet He is God. You know my favorite example. Jesus and the disciples are in a boat. The storm is raging. The disciples are terrified. Where's Jesus? He's fast asleep in the boat. Psalm 121 says that the Lord neither slumbers nor sleep. God cannot sleep, but Jesus is asleep in a boat because He is man, so He can sleep. In fact, He had to sleep as much as any other man has to sleep. So the disciples go wake Him up. Jesus speaks a word, peace be still. The storm stops. And they say, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey his voice. Man can't do that. Psalm 29 says, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory of God or the God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. Psalm 107 says, the Lord calms the storm so that its waves are still. Man can't do that. But God can. One person who had been asleep, which God cannot do, is awakened. 
says a word and calms a storm, which only God can do. He's the Lord God Almighty, yet fully man at the same time. Because His human nature from the beginning of its embryonic existence was joined to and personalized by the eternal person of the Son of God. You see the unique conception of Jesus. And secondly and finally in this passage, we see the revealing names of Jesus. The revealing names of Jesus. Look at verse 21. And she'll bring forth a son... And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophets, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. And notice the two names Matthew explains here. He was to be named Jesus... And the explanation of that name is Jesus means He will save His people from their sins. And then He says that naming Him Jesus fulfills what the prophet Isaiah said, Isaiah 7, 14. That He would be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. You see, Matthew is teaching us that the name Jesus fulfills the name Emmanuel. Matthew is saying that the purpose of God becoming man, Emmanuel, God coming down into this world to be with us, God with us, the purpose of it is to save us from our sins. Only Emmanuel could save us. Only God with us could save us from our sins. We can only be saved by the God-man. We're all sinners. And the wages of sin is death. And our sin is against God. And God happens to be infinite and eternal. And this means the wages of our sin is infinite and eternal death. How are you going to have your sins forgiven? During the 1995 World Series, There was a day off between games, there always is, between games five and six as the series moved from three games in Cleveland back to Atlanta. And on the day off in between, Atlanta right fielder David Justice was interviewed in the locker room and his words the next day, the day of game six, that morning, were spread all over the Atlanta Journal and Constitution. He said that the Braves' home fans were not as enthusiastic 
as the fans had been in Cleveland. That day, David Justice became the most hated man in Atlanta. And that night, when he came up to bat, and a good many of us, I expect, were watching it, 50,000 angry fans tried to boo David Justice clean out of Fulton County Stadium. When Justice stepped up to the plate in the bottom of the sixth, the game was tied at zero. Tom Glavin had pitched a one-hitter and challenged the offense when they came up to bat in the bottom of the sixth he said and I quote all I need is one Justice stepped up to the plate to a torrent of booze and hit a bomb over the right center field fence for a solo home run that proved to win the game They won that game one to nothing that night and they won the World Series that night. But I'll never forget, the announcers were silent as David Justice rounded the bases. And then at the exact moment he said on home plate, he stepped on home plate, Bob Costas said on the TV broadcast words I will never forget. David Justice, all is forgiven in Atlanta. Now, I don't know why you're laughing because that's making me feel like my hair is standing up right now. That was a serious moment in the history of this world. I remember feeling like a 14-year-old ball of sheer electricity at that moment. One swing of the bat, and all was forgiven. But when your sin is against the eternal and, and infinite God, that makes it eternal and infinite sin and there's nothing we could do to ever to make up for it no one swing of the bat hit a ball 425 feet and it all go away there's nothing we could do to atone for our sins we could never hear those words all is forgiven. That's why hell is eternal. And hell is exactly what we all deserve. That's why only Emmanuel could be Jesus. Only one who was God with us could save us from our sins. That's what His names reveal. 
because he is a perfect, sinless man, he was able to die for our sins. God cannot die, but man can. And because he is God, his death has infinite and eternal value. Only the God-man bearing our sins on the cross could say, it is finished. Lifted up was he to die, it is finished was his cry. Now in heaven exalted high, hallelujah, what a Savior. Are we so familiar with Him that we've forgotten what a Savior He is? You really know Him? You really trust Him? And have you heard Him say to you, All is forgiven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.